0: Road America, your national park of speed, has great offers for everyone. Military members, veterans, kids, student passes, groups, and corporate offers as well. Cure your need for speed by going to roadamerica.com. That's roadamerica.com.
1: Welcome back. Final hour. Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny here with you. Taking you up until two o'clock. Grand Bills as well. 877-867-1670. You want to get a hold of the program. Lots still left to get to, but love to revisit. Brewers lose last night, 6-2. to Disappointing, yet kind of understandable, given the context of how they entered that game. You have Dan Snyder being subpoenaed by the House Oversight Committee to testify, as Grant so well put it. It is like Tom Wobzgans in succession. He is going to get at least the, the questions and the tone of them, he is going to get destroyed.
2: You have to break a couple Gregs to make a Tomlin. <laughs> I or whatever the line I need to get back into that show. I watched it so much this winter uh, and I haven't really touched it since then. But dude, hour long episodes are such a time suck. Like I started watching Barry and the episodes are only like 30, 35 minutes long. Oh, Oh, it's so freeing. It's so freeing.
1: Now the succession is one of the only shows I've started and finished recently. I've had a horrible commitment. I watched ah uh, shoot. What's the show where, where the guy who goes to work and his conscience doesn't remember what he does at work. Wait, uh, what?
2: Repeat that one more time? Sorry. I don't know. I'll,
1: I'll remember it, but my friends got really into it. It was a show about this guy who goes to work at this big software company machine, and when you start, you pretty much have to sign a form, and then they do this yeah. whole procedure that when you are at work, you don't know anything about your life outside of it.
2: Oh, it's um, it's the guy from Parks and Rec, uh, Severance.
1: Severance, yes. So I watched the first two episodes, didn't get into it. Succession is the one where I really... I I went all in and and I watched. It was really good. I I don't know. I was drawn to like what it's like to have that much money in New York City because (laughs) you can really imagine it in Florida. You just have a huge mansion with all this acreage. But in New York, that's a different level of FU money where they can just rip their their helicopters anywhere they want pretty much at all times. But I love that. It's really the only TV show, frankly, I've watched aside from that in the last year and a half has been the wire. I've rewatched it like three times.
2: So you need I I think we are similar. I need a lot of meat in a show. I need it to be about lawyers doing lawyer things. And I like to hear the ins and outs of how they lawyer or business, or again, the wire Sopranos is similar enough. That's why I really love better call Saul. Oh, a medical drama like house. I love house. I need to feel like I'm listening to people talking about doing their jobs or something. I I, I crave that out of my TV shows. I watch Mad Men. I'm watching right now. It's the same thing. They work in advertising.
1: Uh, You are old.
2: A little bit. Yeah.
1: I feel like (laughs) Mad Men. I will not
2: watch Stranger Things.
1: Mad Men is something my parents had on CD or DVD when I was growing up. That's really cool. Like way back. You didn't watch it growing up? No. No. I I, I watch sports. Honestly, it was crazy. It's like we would have Christmas holidays. We'd be at my grandma's house in Vermont same concept of having a house up North here in the state where we'd all go up there. The whole family would go for the Christmas holiday. I have a lot of cousins and every morning they'd all sit around the TV and cause we wouldn't watch TV in the morning, obviously at home, but this was vacation. It was such a cool time. They'd watch SpongeBob and I didn't name your Nickelodeon show. And I'd go and I watch sports center. I, I like could not stop watching just the nonstop highlights
2: of the previous days games. No, Spongebob for my house growing up. It's not that it wasn't allowed. It just wasn't. It was understood. You don't watch it. So I watched Food Network growing up, mostly. Really? I took a little bit longer to get into sports. Oh, yeah. I watched so much Food Network. It's unbelievable.
1: I could never watch Food Network because that guy that yells always would like, because I used to watch American Idol back in the 2008 (laughs) range, and they would always have...
2: It was fantastic.
1: They would have the Hell's Kitchen commercials, and I was petrified of that guy when I was way younger.
2: That's not Food Network. That, that's not, that's Gordon Ramsey. See, I'm talking about back in the day, Iron Chef America, Bobby Flay, uh, Michael Simon, Kat Cora, Chef Morimoto, uh, Chopped came along. God, that was, but I just love watching someone alone in their kitchen cooking. I, I want to be there for that. I want to be invited in and like Ina Garten is so good at this. She makes you feel like you were a part of her family and she's just showing you one of her recipes And I just, I love that. It's so relaxing. Is that the woman who goes two shots of vodka and then pours the whole bottle? No, that's Sandra Lee, who, by the way, funny you bring her up, went to the University of Wisconsin-Lacrosse. Fun fact. Really? Yeah.
1: So she learned it somewhere, you're saying.
2: Well, I'm saying she probably would have learned it. It might have been three shots of vodka if she went to UW-Madison like yourself.
1: Uh, I don't, yeah, we, we don't need to get that comparison going. <laughs> it's unhealthy. Uh, all right. 877-867-1670. A lot going on today. Let's go to the phones though. Line one. Welcome to the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got?
3: Uh, well, he knows me as rock and Rick. You just got to tell Grant. He's got to stop right now and get his ankle angle grinder back out. Otherwise Dave from know it's going to be calling.
1: Oh, he can hear you.
2: Yeah. I, Rock and Rick, I, I, the day that Dave and Monona is finally satisfied with my level of masculinity is, is, I don't know, but it'll never happen.
3: All right. Well, take your angle grinder into the kitchen with you then.
2: My, my, my power drill That's, table saw.
3: Sure. Well, the angle grinder is what you said when he was kidding you about having a yard party.
1: Well, I feel like Dave just needs Grant to start wearing pants that have more than 13 pockets.
2: Cargo pants, I like that. Yeah, I know what Rock and Rick is talking about now. I told Dave that I was throwing a party in my yard once upon a time, and he was fun. calling Funny it a, our, a darty. I called it, like it a that. lawn party. He got all upset. Yeah.
3: Well, that actually on one of your like advertisement commercials. It still plays every once in a while. You're going to sit on piles of sawdust and play with the angle grinder.
2: (laughs) That's what I told Dave. I was like, fine, we'll hang out in the ground and we'll play with power tools instead. That just doesn't sound like fun. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Of course it
1: doesn't. All right, Rick, appreciate it. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. 877-867-1670. Line two, Dave. Oh, Thank no, God this is him. Brett and LaCroix. Oh, uh, it's okay. Honestly, kind of happy it wasn't. Brett, how you doing?
3: <laughs> Good, how are you? Uh,
1: doing well. What's on your mind, man?
3: Oh, ju- just another day. I just I just wanted to call in and say hey uh, to you and Grant, of course. Um but if if Grant wants, he can come over and watch me just cooking in my kitchen alone anytime. <laughs> he can, he can actually, if, if Grant wants, he can come over and he can watch my children so I can cook alone in my kitchen.
2: That's a good way of looking at it. Okay, that Brent, makes are you, more uh, sense. You going to uh, uh, Bill's Cigar Dinner tonight on the island?
3: No. I tried to talk him into because today is my anniversary, my ninth anniversary for me and the wife. Congratulations. And like, congrats. Well, thanks. And I was like, Bill, like, make this happen. You can comp these tickets for the wife and I for our anniversary <laughs> celebration, right? Never heard from him again.
2: No. And
3: no. I was like, oh, cool. Carney would have done it for me.
2: I, I, <laughs> should I ask Bill? Do you think he'd give me a free ticket to the Cigar Nervant? No, it's,
3: it's all good. We're, we're spending a day just relaxing because we just got back home. Uh, we flew in last night after seven and a half days at Disney. So Ooh, it's, at it's, Disney. it's a good night to just
2: sit. I've never been to Disney. It's well, it's something. <laughs> it just was... Say, he was at Disney. No wonder he needs those tickets comped. Right. <laughs> right. right. Wow. For,
1: for some yeah, reason, don't, don't go. Yeah. When I was don't. younger, my, I, I like wasn't drawn to that being like the one place I wanted to go. I don't know why.
3: Yeah. And the, the, the one thing I was excited for was, drinking around the world at Epcot, which I, I did while also uh, listening to, <laughs> I brought my little handheld radio so I could still listen to the Brewer games. So, you know, as nerdy as that is, pushing my kids around freaking Disney and I'm listening to the Brewers and drinking.
1: Now, is there um, a specific Disney movie that they're really fond of? Because I get a lot of heat in, in these parts about my thoughts, you know, towards certain Disney movies that many younger children love. And I was supposed to love apparently, but I didn't. Which ones? I uh, I don't like Toy Story. Okay. Any yeah, of them, frankly. I can't stand Shrek at at all.
3: Yeah, they they like the. There was a recent like live Broadway Shrek that they like better than the actual movies.
1: Gotcha. Those. I I mean him as a him as a being kind of freaked me out when I was younger. I, yeah. I really just I loved Finding Nemo, and that was it.
3: Yeah, that was good. We went we went on a couple of rides, a couple of Nemo rides that were really cool. So it was it was fun. Um as far as like ride wise, but the rest of it like never again. I've already told everybody never again. Like I don't care if the wife takes the kids, I'm not going.
1: I got you. Well at least you missed the back end of the brewer's struggles and now maybe your presence back will oh, no, no, put no. them on I a run. Oh
3: <laughs> I definitely will it. it was it was wonderful. Yeah,
1: it was great. I got That's you. All right, man. One. Appreciate it. Hey, enjoy the anniversary.
3: Right. Yeah, thanks. See
1: you. Uh, I, were, were you a guy that was drawn to Disney, Grant? You don't strike me as someone who went there. And honestly, if you say you did, I might get a phone call from Dave.
2: Um. Some. We never went to Disney World. We had v- VCR tapes. We watched The Lion King and like Peter Pan, and but that was about it. It was mostly food. Dude, it was mostly Food Network. Growing up, uh, my family would gather around after dinner every night and we'd watch Emerald Live. Wow. And if you follow Emeril Lagasse on Instagram, he posts clips from that show and it's the most electric thing you've ever seen. Huh. But some Disney movies. I I also, I found in college it's made a difference. Growing up with a sister really changes like what you're exposed to and what you're not exposed to.
1: Now I grew up, up with I a sister. A doesn't I, I grew up with a sister, but she's six years younger than me. So the uh, childhood development happened at different stages, I guess. Plus, I my dream vacations were always to go see the Phillies play. And maybe that's nice. just h- how I was built. Like a- after dinner, the dinner finishes, I run downstairs, I turn on the game. Plus, I given like in, in middle school and all throughout elementary school, I was a very big chess player and we ended up semi-traveling the country to play in a bunch of tournaments. So those kind of became our pseudo vacations. Like we wouldn't go to travel, you know, this crazy amount. We go up to uh, my grandma's house in Vermont to see family there. But my, the best vacations were when like we, the national tournament and went all over San Diego, Columbus, Ohio, funny enough, Denver, Nashville. And then those were, those are like the fun vacations I would do, but we would do it to play chess.
2: My mom uh, works in healthcare. So once a year, she would have like a conference uh, with, you know, equipment distributors and other doctors and stuff. I don't pretend to understand what went on at those things, but they would always be in Wisconsin Dells, normally at the Kalahari. So once a year, my siblings and my dad, we get to go with her. And during the day, she would be getting work stuff done and we just hit the water park like nobody's business. Oh, so that not, was our vacation.
1: Oh, you weren't finding the local establishment that starts with a C and
2: rhymes with bruising bruising cubbies. Yeah. We never went there. Maybe we should go back as adults and me and my dad can really solidify our father son relationship by going to cruising chubbies.
1: Well, Z and the D did note that it is not somewhere that when it's hundred degrees, you should without a shirt. Very notably given our conversation from later Noted. from earlier today, um, water park, a place you can be without a shirt. 100% and Ebo actually came in before our show started and said for some reason that he thought you were still a guy that swims with a shirt on.
2: Yeah, I don't understand. I'm very confident and comfortable with my body. I don't know why things just get attached to me. It's like, Oh, that lame. It must be something grant does.
1: Well, I don't get it. It's all because you said you would rather have the brewers make the world series. Then the Packers win the Super Bowl, which looking back, horrible take, but I understood your message
2: and I kind of agreed with it. The Packers are such a lost cause. I'm not putting any stock into them anymore in the playoffs. The Brewers might still have a hope and a prayer. We'll see. Yeah. Packers probably don't.
1: Health withstanding. All right. 877-867-1670. Take your phone calls when we come back. Phone lines are open. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for
0: Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Road America is your national park of speed. The SVRA Vintage, Moto America Superbikes, Vintage Moto Fest, the NTT IndyCar Weekend, SCCA Junior Sprints, the Trans Am Speed Tour, IMSA, and more. It's racing at its best. Go to roadamerica.com.
1: All right, welcome back in. It is the Bill Michaels Show. A couple more segments until we are out of here. Bill, back tomorrow. Ben Kenny, Grant Bill's here with you. 877-867-1670. Brewers, Dan Snyder, Packers, all of it.
2: Uh, Grant, I, speaking of that bumper music, are you a fallout Boy guy? Um... That's an era of music I don't get super well, like emo 90s early 2000s. Although we play a little Fall Out Boy on Z93, which is the music station I'm on at night. So I know a little.
1: It is one of those it's one of those grouping of songs when played in a good setting it just it cannot be beaten. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. There's a bar in downtown Lacrosse that only plays that type of music, like early 2000s.
1: Oh, I that's got to be good.
2: But you could just throw out song names and they all fit. Yeah. Um. And it's loud. And there's two TVs in there. And on one, they'll play Super Bowl 45 on loop. And the other is Super Bowl 31 on loop. <laughs> so it's just two Packers Super Bowls the whole time. That's, but it's mostly about the music.
1: For wow. Me. That's an interesting way to brand yourself.
2: That is, It is a fascinating bar.
1: It's better than the ones that have NFL Network on at all times. Because then you get the reruns of every NFC Championship yeah. game in the last 15 years which
2: most of them aren't fun for no. Packers fans. You flip a coin, chances are you're going to get a game you don't like. No.
1: Uh, and speaking of, uh, Bill had talked about this yesterday. There is a new Bally Sports Plus app where you're able to pay a certain price throughout the year to watch all the Brewers games if you don't have the cable. It's like 120 yeah. bucks, which seems very steep. I was thinking, you know, like the best bars in this state are the ones where you're able to walk in to watch the Brewers game. Like you go out yep. to the bar, on a Wednesday or whatever day it is to watch the game and they have it on. There are far too many in this city, Madison that just don't readily have that available. And I cannot understand it.
2: My favorite bar. You can assume the Brewers game is going to be on, but if you go in there and it's not on, they will more than be willing to let you turn it on. Um, Because some of these bars, I can think of one that I've been to in a while, have like Hulu TV or YouTube TV and they don't actually have cable. And you're not going to be able to watch the brewer games in those bars. And it really stinks to go out for drinks after work one night at six or seven and the brewer games not on like that's that's tough. I don't want to go to that spot.
1: Oh, I feel like the best part of all of that is watching whoever's working behind the bar struggle to change the channel. None of them know how to do it. And it's hilarious.
2: The best the best bars are they just like here you change it. (laughs) it is really the only ones that I'm at all the time. And then they trust you with the remote and you just feel like a king.
1: Well, they love it until it's like a late Thursday afternoon. And I put on the end of a golf round that nobody yeah. in the bar would care about.
2: Anyway. Yeah, but you know what, everyone at the bar, focus on the friend next to you and the drink in your hand, right? It's it's, it's time to connect with people again after this pandemic. Yeah. what's on the TV. Let yeah. me handle that.
1: Well, unless you go to watch the Brewers game, then it'd be nice for that to be on. Well, that's for uh, Something you'll be able to watch tomorrow night, though. The Brewers do play tonight, 7 o'clock, then tomorrow in the afternoon. Kenny and Heilprin tomorrow night, 6 to 7, on several of these same stations. I don't know all of uh, which are the same, but it's always available on our Zone app and a podcast. Uh, just search Kenny and Heilprin, All Wisconsin Badgers stuff, and that relates to this as well. Tomorrow night, Grant, the NBA draft. I have never been a massive NBA draft guy. I was always a lottery guy, given the state of a basketball team I formerly followed and now have cut all ties you with. I, I don't invest any of my time in them anymore. But the NBA draft, it was always interesting because I was out in Vermont always, every time during the summer when it would be on, and I'd be off doing other stuff. The service isn't great. So I would just look at the results. Like the, the NFL draft, I love sitting down, watching most, if not all of it, because A, a lot of guys I've heard of, B, the production is awesome, and C, it's like I in the third round, you're finding guys that can be the next stud. NBA draft you have 10 guys 12 guys that can even make a roster and start let alone be stars so I've never really been drawn to it but tomorrow night lacrosse zone uh, Wisconsin zone Johnny Davis pr- probably going in the top 10 my friend and I my friend is a big Knicks fan we have concluded that it is a lock he is going to the Knicks because it just makes way too much sense like you'll go there he will be a really good player, but he won't turn into this star. And then Knicks fans will yeah. wonder, like, why Why can none of these players, you know, come to New York and
2: get the Knicks back to great? So we know that's going to happen. Somewhere on the spectrum between Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett. Like, yeah. Never so- good enough. Not usually a, an all-out bust, but never good enough to really get you there.
1: Yeah. Who was the guy they drafted last year? The kid from New York? That was Obi sp- Toppin. Yeah, somewhere in between Obi Toppin and RJ Barrett. He's
2: another perfect example. Frank Ntilikina, who, by the way, wasn't he hooping on the Mavs this year? I kind of forgot about him, and he was role playing for them.
1: I, I could think not. It was the Mavs. Could not tell
2: you, but never mind.
1: Could not tell you. But Johnny Davis looking to go in the top ten. An interesting topic brought up constantly around the Wisconsin basketball program, especially football. I think it's undeniable when guys get drafted when. People saw TJ Watt come to Wisconsin, become a great outside linebacker, and now is the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I think it has undeniably helped the team in recruiting. Nick Herbig, a guy from Hawaii, a four star in the 2020 class, has since come to the school freshman year. He was solid, really good for a freshman last year. He was great this year. He's expected to take another huge step up. He'll likely be a first or second round pick coming up after this year. But he said like, yeah, I I watched TJ watt. I wanted to go to Wisconsin because of the tradition they have there. There are guys at certain positions in football where you could look at that running back is the same offensive line. You know, Wisconsin is the same. The hope is now. Maybe there've been a bunch of cornerbacks drafted, Maybe And we've seen it on the recruiting trail. Wisconsin got a four-star commit from Georgia today, Jay Arnold, cornerback. You would think that it would help their cornerback recruiting. In basketball, it's weird because Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker get drafted in 2015, I believe. And, yeah, they had a recruiting uptick. There were some other four-stars that were picked up. But a lot of the talk now is, will other guys around the country want to come be the next Johnny Davis? Will they look at Wisconsin and say, even though many thought that an NBA guy couldn't excel there, I can. And we saw Johnny do it. I can be the focal point. I could score. I could defend all that stuff. The thing is, I I look at this and him getting drafted. I don't really know how much is going to change. Do you have an initial thought on what the effect of Johnny Davis at Wisconsin could be?
2: First of all, this is a classic topic. And I'm glad that you brought this topic up. I'm about to criticize this topic, but this is not a criticism of you, Ben. Uh, Your setup of this was brilliant and perfect, and I could not have done it better myself. It's good pub for the program. It's good hype. It's good to see one of your guys going on draft night that helps you sell the program. I just get a little sick, especially in basketball, of the idea that it's these programs' responsibilities to get kids to the NBA. You know what I mean? There's certainly ways of conducting a basketball program in college that are more advantageous to kids. But the idea that Johnny Davis couldn't have been a lottery pick on Minnesota or Illinois or Wake Forest, right? I I just, well,
1: don't bring up Wake Forest. I don't know how much of a record they've had recently of doing it. Illinois, I
2: can't. Whatever, right? Giannis was a 15-year-old and was drafted a couple of years after only playing in a YMCA league over there. People found him the idea that it's the pro.
1: Yeah, I I'm with you and a little bit of technical stuff as well with grant's connection coming in. But I, you know, I think, yes, I, I do not think by any means it is the program's job at getting a guy drafted. I do think that there is something to the ripple effect of having success. And most of it, I feel like is winning, first and then maybe comes what individual players do i when it comes to johnny davis being in wisconsin and then the program having success and what they could do on the recruiting trail i mean you look at the last couple of years you have guys from this state choose to not go to wisconsin tyler heroes the busy, biggest example but you had a bunch of guys Ty, tyrese halliburton is often brought up love him that didn't go to Wisconsin, whether it was fit, whether it was because Kentucky gave Hero 60 thou, whatever it is you want to bring up and uh, accuse John Calipari of doing, it's like, yeah, there there was a little bit of a stigma that a wing could not just excel and become a wooden award finalist. Johnny did it. The differentiator, I believe, here is the small to medium-sized ripple effect that it could have in terms of someone wanting to be the next Johnny Davis, say not from this state, that aren't otherwise going to be looking at Wisconsin as a destination, I think the transfer portal and NIL and where Wisconsin stands as a program will
2: negate that for the most part. I think, by the way, you bring up the NIL. I think you and Zach did such an outstanding job talking to Greg Gard a couple weeks ago, and I thought Greg Gard had some amazing comments on the NIL saying it should be a reward for things that you accomplish after you've been in school for a while, not an enticement to get you to come to a certain school. Right. And I like, I just wanted to say again, that that interview was awesome and that was really good and interesting. Thank um, you.
1: I will say amazing is one word to use to describe how, uh, Greg guards comments. You didn't like them. Some of it. I agreed, but I mean, we're, we're talking that, uh, yeah, the portal is going to be used to help the roster and all this stuff. It's like, you need, to, you need to reload your roster. You just lost an NBA guy. And yeah, you have some yeah. guys coming back, but you did a good job of it with Chris Vote and that. But look at what they've done this offseason. They've picked up Kamari McGee from Green Bay, Max Klesmet from Wofford. None of those are needle-moving uh, guys to pick up. There were so many opportunities out there to try to go out of the comfort zone a little bit, get a guy that can come make a big impact and score. I think... I, I don't know if he's embraced the transfer portal enough. I, I guess I'll say it that way.
2: That I won't disagree with you. Um, and I, Wisconsin might be lagging behind a little bit on some of these things. I guess more or less, I really liked his philosophical approach to NIL and what it should be, and I think that fits Wisconsin. I think Johnny Davis succeeding at Wisconsin just shows that you can come in and excel in the swing, even if not everything's catered to you, and the offense isn't designed around you, there is an environment to succeed like look what he did look how he could get to his spots on the floor and how he passed and everything worked around him it's an environment to succeed even if it takes a year right that's another great lesson that Johnny Davis should be to some of these young guys who have NBA aspirations maybe you're not ready after year one and that's not the fault of the program it might not even be the fault of the player sometimes it just takes time right I think the the culture of basketball recruiting and AAU and and how we train people and a lot of NBA players would agree with this in comparison to the European model, it's maybe not the best. And it's created, I think, some, I don't know. It's its created some imbalances where we have 18-year-old kids thinking these multimillion-dollar athletic departments are doing them wrong by not immediately getting them into the league.
1: I agree with that, especially a developmental one like Wisconsin. It's so hard, and I face this with football all the time. It's so hard to compare the Wisconsin football program to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio state, name your blue blood, right? Like when you look at what they do and then you look at what Wisconsin does, it looks really bad, but it's, they're in such a different uh, stratosphere of where their program is. I would say the same about the Wisconsin basketball program and then compare them to Kentucky and Duke. When you go to Kentucky, I could understand you having a little bit of pause and wondering why Calipari didn't get you to the league right? Aside from what you yourself could have done, but because of everything and all the guys they've sent to the NBA, I could understand that attitude there. It just won't happen here because how rarely it happens.
2: I don't know that there's a program with exceptions, obviously, but I I don't know that there are many programs that are like this black mark on kids trying to get to the NBA. Tyler Hero went to Kentucky and it worked really well. Tyler Hero could have come to Wisconsin and ended up in the NBA.
1: Yeah, he probably would have been a couple hundred thousand dollars poorer. (laughs) the moment he walked in the door again not accusing Calipari of anything just giving a thought all right it's interesting by the way
2: I I was on Twitter earlier today and I saw an old Doug Gottlieb tweet resurface. say what you want about Doug Gottlieb but his tweet was from when St. Pete beat Kentucky and the tweet was oh look Calipari struggling with St. Peter won't be the first time you know (laughs) alluding to it him at the gates of heaven one day, which yeah. I thought was really funny. I know that that was weeks ago, but I saw it pop up today and it made me laugh.
1: That is a really good tweet. All right, 877-867-1670. When we come back, I'm going to ask Grant. He is more of the NBA, the Bucks guy than myself, obviously. What does he want the Milwaukee Bucks to do? What does his dream Thursday night look like? Maybe take away doing something shirtless in a bar. But what does he want the bucks to do when the draft comes? That is coming up next. It is the Bill Michael show.
0: Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network. Road America, your national park of speed has great offers for everyone. Military members, veterans, kids, student passes, groups and corporate offers as well cure your need for speed by going to roadamerica.com that's roadamerica.com
1: Segments left before we get out of here for the day. 877 867 1670. What is if if you had to imagine a perfect Thursday night, aside from a Brewers win during the afternoon, and listening to Kenny and Heilbrand from six to seven leading up to the draft, Grant Bills, if you had to imagine the perfect outcome to the NBA draft tomorrow night, what
2: is it? For the Bucks or just in general?
1: Nah, for the Bucks.
2: Uh, Chet going to the Thunder, because that'd be fun. Jabari Smith and Palo can go with the other two top three spots. I want my Kings to take Jade Ivey. Ivy. Your Kings. Yeah, my second favorite team. Although they won't, because they're idiots. They're like, oh, we have Davion Mitchell. Why would we take the fourth best player in the draft? And then Johnny Davis to go to the Spurs. I would love that. It would be sexy, but it would be best for him. And then if the Bucks could get EJ Liddell. Somehow
1: EJ. I so I actually saw that in a mock draft. I forget where it might've been ESPN. That was their pick for the bucks uh, where the bucks stand right now. There, there has been some chatter now of the bucks uh, trying to make a move up maybe, or I uh, at least trying to find some way to find some way to find scoring, right? Find some way to, to bolster their, their scoring and their shooting and their depth. I think EJ Liddell would fit that. The other talk I've seen was of the Bucks, uh <clears throat> finding another seven footer. Maybe if, if Brooke Lopez is reaching the end of the road, finding guys yeah. to help in that regard. Uh, I I don't know. It's I, I find trouble in these settings with uh, going to the NBA draft when the team is in the mid twenties every year. Like, don't you wish they were the eight seed still and they picked 19th?
2: I love the idea of finding the next Brooke Lopez. I don't know if, using your limited draft capital to try to accomplish that goal is the best way. There's always centers on the market every year and maybe they're not Brooke Lopez, but you can get cheap guys. You can get cheap big bodies every year. Um, I don't know that you need to build one from the ground up. Although if you could do like what the Celtics have done with Robert Williams. Yeah, that would be great. But I don't know if going for that with pick 24 would be the best. Some shooting would be great. Offensive creation would be great off the bench. Their bench kind of lacks some dynacism not very many dynamic scores. There's catch-and-shoot guys. There's Bobby Portis. That's about it. Jake LaRavia from Wake Forest is a name that people throw around, a guy with a lot of size who can shoot, um, who could maybe slide in and even play a little bit for him this year. At some point, you're going to need another big to replace Brook to bring it back to what you originally said. I don't know if trying to find one in the draft is the best way to go about it.
1: There's also a name Christian Brown that has been brought up. I am completely out on the Bucks acquiring him, only for the reason it is spelled Braun, B R A U N. Yeah, it is Christian Brown from Kansas, but he could give you that scoring. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It's interesting. I think the Bucks' most uh, biggest impact moves have to come. I not. I can't expect whatever happens in this draft to be the thing that could help them go win another championship. I I know PJ Tucker's name is being thrown out. I do think that might come at a little too high of a price tag for the team maybe given he just opted out. There're going to be a lot of teams going after PJ Tucker. But some some dynamic, I think is the right word. I think you put it well. Something dynamic just some way to not have like back-to-back years, Grant. 2 years ago Jeff Teague way too many minutes off the bench. And I get it. He was a veteran, but I like you don't need him playing 10, 12 minutes a game this year, George Hill. It's the same. It's the same conundrum. They find themselves in someone to come off the bench and not be one of those two guys. That's where I'm at.
2: That's why I don't know if trying to build a big from the ground up to replace Brooke Lopez is the best way to go using this draft pick. And they don't have very many draft picks moving forward. Try to find someone who's dynamic. Right, who can come in, and this this is, unfortunately, you're talking about George Hill and these guys coming off the bench. The Bucks don't do what a lot of teams do with their bench unit, and it's a Coach Bud thing. They don't want a Lou Williams, Tyler Hero type coming off the bench to carry the offense for stretches. They, by and large, want to just keep doing what they already do with the second unit. They don't want to change things around. So I, I don't think they're going to look for a microwave type off the bench, a six-man scorer type, but someone who can handle and shoot and do things I like that a lot more than some big bodied slow center who they want to develop into the next Brook Lopez.
1: I get that. Yeah, I'm with that, I guess. All right. 877. 867, 1670. Your ideal draft for the Bucks. Grant, we have one segment remaining. I want to talk about the game tonight. Brewers, Cardinals, the line, the odds. We'll see if I can find, I don't believe any lineups are being posted this early in the day, but we'll give you the odds for that game next. What a possible pick would be Eric Lauer, the ageless Adam Wainwright on the bump opposing each other. We're going to preview the game. Talk about the spread. What would I like if I was going to bet it? That's the next final segment. Bill Michael show. It's coming up next.
0: Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Road America is your national park of speed. The SVRA Vintage, Moto America Superbikes, Vintage Moto Fest, the NTT IndyCar Weekend, SCCA Junior Sprints, the Trans Am Speed Tour, IMSA, and more. It's racing at its best. Go to roadamerica.com. Powerful.
1: Welcome back. It is the Bill Michaels show. Final segment. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills here with you. We got a little bit of time. 877-867-1670 if you want anything heard. So, Grant, we talked about this game earlier. Eric Lauer, Adam Wainwright. The Brewers have a little bit of uh, a track record, I guess, against Adam Wainwright. Yelich has faced him 34 times, McCutcheon 70, Jace Peterson, Narvaez up in the 20s, and there's been some success. Overall, I think seven home runs, a bunch of ribbies. The Cardinals, on the other hand, not much of a track record against Eric Lauer. The most at-bats anyone has had is Nolan Arnato He's hitting only 214 off him, no homers, no RBI. It's a big, big moment for Lauer being the number two right now, being needed to pitch well in light of all of the injuries and the Chichi Chi Gonzalez, Jason Alexander spot starts that are going on the odds for tonight. Pretty much even money. The Brewers minus one eleven is what I'm seeing. The Cardinals are minus one oh nine. So pretty much the most even line you could find over under eight and a half. A little bit higher than it was for Game One with Burns on the on the bump, and this sucks because on Monday Grant I said going into that game the Brewers were minus one sixty five, and I said that was a little too steep for me, so maybe I didn't like the bet necessarily. The team went on to win the game. For this, I think there's value in the Brewers here. I'll take Lauer versus Wainwright every day of the week. I know Wainwright's been good, but I. I feel like he always has that blow up coming. Given his age, the Brewers have faced him a lot. They've had a lot of success off him this year. Two starts, I believe, so far. Each time the crew has gotten their offense going. So I think I would take the Brewers in this setting, minus
2: 111. So you're playing it with the Brewers. I yeah. would.
1: If I Thank were a betting bad. man, which I'm not.
2: <laughs> Love how we always prefaced that. Milwaukee minus 115. It's not that I don't like picking the Brewers. Anytime it's close, I'm just going to go with the team that gives me plus money just because it'll yield a bigger reward. If it's a coin flip, I want the team with the better outs, but I'm really not a betting man either. I want to know how this matchup predictor thing works. Like, where does the where does the 50, 51.4% chance that St. Louis has to win? ESPN Analytics. That's what the label is. I want to know where that comes from
1: some math model about the guys pitching. I honestly, I think it is way too complicated for me to ever comprehend kind of like Bitcoin and NFTs, mm-hmm. but that is the matchup creator is One of the greatest things in the world, because when we see those crazy games where comebacks happen, mainly college football, you see the 99% riding all the way into the end of the fourth quarter on the live odd thing. And then it just yeah. shoots down to the other side or maybe the roller coaster of of emotions that many go on when it goes 80% and then 80% the other way and up and down. But I don't know. That stuff's way too complicated for me to wrap my head around.
2: I'll believe the betting markets. This is from Caesars. If you can get a similar number from DraftKings or FanDuel, if, if truly Milwaukee is the favorite and you can get minus 105 compared to minus 115 on the Cardinals, then hammer it. If that 51.5% predictor is right, then you're getting plus money relatively to bet the team that wins 51% of the time. That's why those win predicting models don't make sense to me. I will always go with the betting markets. They make money for a reason.
1: Now, you also look at yesterday's game, and this could play into the Brewers' hands. You mentioned how Craig Council kind of waved a white flag, if you will, with some of the pitching decisions He kind of knew that this wasn't the game to go put the horses out there to try to shut the Cardinals out. The team was facing a big-time uphill stretch. Meanwhile, the Cardinals had, I mean, most of their top relievers go out, right? Giovanni Gallegos threw two innings yesterday. So you would hope... If the crew can get to Wainwright early, that's a Cardinals bullpen that isn't fully stocked to to get through today and tomorrow. Definitely today, because they had Housley go the last two innings. They had Gallegos go two as well. Those are two of their best relievers. I can't see both of them going tonight again. So if you can chase Wainwright before the fifth inning, you're in a huge advantage.
2: Well, the Cardinals bullpen isn't that good anyways. They're middle of the road to bottom half of the league in ERA recently. It's definitely not the strong suit of their team, right? The the Cardinals MO for success is score a pile of runs and then hope Flaherty gets good at the right time. Wainwright obviously can do Wainwright things, and I like Miles Michaelis, actually. I think a lot more than most people do, but their their recipe is not built around their bullpen, not like the Brewers have been the last couple of years.
1: No, but Helsley and Gallegos are two of those guys. that They're probably the yeah. two dependable guys that they have, Helsley, 22 games this year, ERA, of 0.3. That's 27 innings pitched, I think, two total runs he's allowed overall, and he hasn't allowed a run in, in quite some time. He, uh, that was the guy, again, who pitched the last two innings yesterday. Gallegos, on the other hand, 25 games, ERA of 2.7. He is absolutely nasty, uh, 33 strikeouts, 26 innings pitched. So, yeah, like those are the two horses. So if you could avoid facing them, I, this matchup just lines up so well for the Brewers. I would just, it would just suck if you go into the game and it's just another one of those, oh yeah, whatever. The offense just couldn't hit.
2: If the Brewers offense goes six or seven innings tonight without a base runner or without a hit, I don't know what I'm going to say about them on my show tomorrow. I feel like we've been walking in circles with this team for a while. Well, at least you need to put pressure on Wainwright. That's how you score. It's not hard.
1: You'll have that other game to at least fall back on (laughs) if it's bad tonight and good tomorrow, which I would think it would happen the other way around. But yeah, I I mean, none of this is drawing me to say instantly, talked about this on Monday. None of it's making me say, oh yeah, Brewers need to go get a bat because they couldn't get a hit against the Cardinals yesterday. If anything, it's bringing me closer towards they need to get an arm because this rotation is destructed by injuries completely. And I I really just can't rely on some of the guys to come back late in the season and be effective, but I will continue to be proven dumb. If the offense just doesn't work in a series like this, you know, like, yeah, they won the first game. They scored two runs and, and Michael is, yeah, Michael has been really good. One swing of the bat and their other runs came on a swing of the bat from the same. Oh no, it was Taylor. The first game, Adamus, the second, but both times, one swing of the bat, two runs, not much else.
2: They have four runs in 18 innings, and it's been on two swings, which is why I just love, Ben, that you continue to say they need starting pitching. Like, I love how you have a different view on this than most everyone. Everyone's like, get a bat, get multiple bats, get a new offense. And you're like, no, I think they need arms. I love that. I enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I, well, the bullpen arm we can all agree on. That's just kind of how I view baseball. And you could point to last year and say, yeah, the rotation was in a good spot and they couldn't hit in the playoffs. I understand that. But the whole reason that even they had chances to win those playoff games, like a lot of those came down to at least close to the later innings. A lot of the reason was because they had the horses there in the rotation right now. They don't like, you can't limp your way to the playoffs and have Jason Alexander start a game. And maybe yeah, this is,
2: maybe we will be back. La, or uh, I can never remember his name. The young guy. Peralta. Why can't I? Asby. No, the other one. Ashby. Thank you. I. It's just him specifically. Ashby and Woodruff should be back before too long. Peralta comes back in August. We have a tendency to really think these games in June are way more important than they are. I think their pitching will all come back and be
1: fine. They'll be back, but I cannot confidently say they will be back and be pitching like they normally pitch until I see it. And especially yeah. with Woodruff because of what he dealt with. That's like a guy, and I don't want to compare it to Tommy John because it's different, but if you have a pitcher that is out with a significant elbow or hand or whatever injury, I need to see them come back and be effective before I can count on them being a big part of the rotation. But maybe I'm pessimistic with that.
2: I'm okay with what you're saying. The thing is, the Brewers only have so many resources to build a team. They need to make leaps of faith. I will believe and have faith that the pitchers will be okay before I believe that about the offense. Understood. you
1: will be right. Uh, ooh, late breaking news. Grant, I'm going to say it, and then a 10 second reaction. The Bucks guard Pat Connaughton has exercised his option to return.
2: Oh, I thought he'd opt out and then come back for more money. This is even better. Great news.
1: All right. Well, that's a good way to end. Uh, go Brewers tonight, 7 o'clock. You can hear it on this station. Bill Michaels is back tomorrow. Grant, thank you again. Have a good one, everybody. See ya. The Bill
0: Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. Road America is your national park of speed. The SVRA Vintage, Moto America Superbikes, Vintage Moto Fest, the NTT IndyCar Weekend, SCCA Junior Sprints, the Trans Am Speed Tour, IMSA, and more. It's racing at its best. Go to roadamerica.com.